Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, there you are. It is a beautiful day in Alabama, and we are sitting at a table in Vestavia Hills at Moe's Original Barbecue, sitting here with... (laughs) Jordan Cox. Jordan, welcome to the table. Thanks for having me, Robert. It's good to be here, man. It's great to have you here. Yeah, yeah. Been wanting to have you come to the podcast for quite some time. Well, that's very kind. That's very kind. I first met you through Christmas at Shades. You were on staff at Shades Mountain that's right. Baptist Church. Yeah, here in Birmingham. And you and Logan Creasy came down to a weekly worship event called Broken. Yeah that I'm a part of about three years ago, we were discussing earlier, yeah. and uh, you played the cajon. I did, that, that fun little box that people never know what it is. I, I love it. <laughs> I, I, I see that and I think, I think I can do that kind of percussion, but you're, yeah. you're, you were telling me you've been playing drums since you were 10. Since, since I was 10, yeah. It's really, I like when you put it, when you put it in terms of years, it's really hard to believe, but this Christmas will be 21 years. <laughs> Wow. Uh, that I've been playing drums, which that's longer than almost anything I've been doing in my life. Uh, so, but I, I love it, and it's a, it's a gift that the Lord has absolutely given me, and it's um, taken me all over the country, um, which I'm very thankful for. So, it's it's been uh, I love it, I love it so much. You do it well. well. Thank you, thank you. We've been enjoying some great barbecue. I've eaten here before, but we were talking earlier. It used to be across the street or something like that, yeah. but. Uh, Tell us where we're eating and tell us what you had. Uh, well, we are at Moe's Original Barbecue here in Vestavia. Um, it's a great, great local barbecue place here in the Birmingham area. Uh, and I had, I, usually, so Moe's to me has some of the best wings in the city. They're smoked, smoked chicken wings. Uh, and so normally that would be my go-to, but today I went with the fried catfish sandwich. And I have to say, it was very, very good. Especially being somebody who grew up in Florida, seafood is a big part of my life. Um, and that was really great. Mine was excellent as well. I, I, I had the pork, I had baked beans. The, the thing on my plate that really impressed me the most, just because it was it had a smoky quality to it, is the collard, yeah. collard greens. They were wonderful. <laughs> so it was a great suggestion. Yeah. Hadn't eaten here in probably four or five years, so thank you for it's suggesting one, this. One of my favorite places. You also ended with Mississippi mud. Oh, gosh. No, everybody needs a little chocolate in their life, you know. <laughs> I didn't realize you could get dessert as a side, Absolutely. But which is a great thing because it's no additional cost. Yeah, it's just give me des- give me some dessert as part of my meal, please. Yeah. That's the way it should be. That's cool. Well, we've been talking 
our paths have taken us in, in similar places. You grew up in the panhandle of Florida. I did, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in uh, a very small town called Graceville. My dad was a professor at the Baptist College of Florida. Um, and he just retired this past May, but um, grew up down there. Two, two older brothers, I'm the youngest of three. Two amazing parents who love the Lord and uh, have served Him faithfully and continue to do so in this new season of their life as retirees. Um, but I, I love my family and um, have two great sisters-in-law now and a bunch of kiddos running around, which is so fun. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very blessed to have the family background that I do. Yeah. Wow. You said your father taught? He did. There? Yeah. What did he teach? He was a professor of music. So he taught piano, taught um, theory, uh, directed a couple of ensembles. So, yeah. Wow. My dad, he, he did that and bivocational music ministry my, has done it my entire life. And so um, music obviously was a very influential thing in our household growing up. So, okay. and, a, and a very prominent and present thing. Okay. Yeah. You came to Birmingham to go to college. Sanford University, yeah. So my oldest brother, Jonathan, and his wife, Marlene, went to Sanford. Um, so that was kind of my first introduction to it. And I can just remember being a kid, uh, being in middle school, sixth, seventh grade, and coming up to visit them for different things and just thinking it was the greatest place in the world. And and really kind of, I didn't know, I wouldn't have said it this way at the time, but I really fell in love with it at, yeah. at that age in my life. And so um, when the decision, when the time came for me to make the decision of where to go to college, um, Sanford was pretty much always where I wanted to go. It is a beautiful campus. Yeah. And it's where I went as well. It's interesting. My brother, 11 years older than I am, that's where he went. And, I didn't know that. And you know, spent some time on that campus way back in the day yeah. before it expanded like it has now. And, yeah. and I felt that way about both the places where I went, Sanford, and then later to work on a master's at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And, and I, just being on the campus, I was immediately drawn yeah. to place. Yeah. The place is so important it is I mean you know you're like so much of our lives are formed by a sense of place right by the sights and the smells and the experiences and the tastes that you have uh, where you live it's um, I don't think what I you know it's interesting to hear you say that I've never really considered it much but um, even just as I've gotten older have begun to realize how much the place that I grew up and the place that I went to college and now the city that I live in how much it forms how I see the world yeah yeah Insightful. Yeah. Uh, you were sitting at Redemption's table. Share a little bit about your redemption story, and, and we're, we're going to move toward a part of your story where there was kind of a, a sense of displacement in your life, but just, just back up just a little bit. Just, just share. Yeah, so I, um, I grew up in a home where the gospel was very clearly communicated and frequently communicated which i'm very thankful for and so i came to faith when i was nine um and it, it, that was a genuine decision for me i don't i don't look back and and think oh you know i wasn't actually i didn't know what i was doing like i just i was nine i know as much as a nine-year-old could that i was a sinner who needed who needed jesus and so i made that decision but um it was really kind of around the ages of 16 and 17 years old for me that my faith became my own versus uh, the faith that my parents were imparting me and were raising me to, to believe. Um, I had a couple of guys, in addition to my student pastor, when I was a sophomore and junior and senior in high school, I had a couple of guys who were students at the Baptist College who just really poured into my life and discipled me, honestly, and that was kind of my first taste 
of discipleship in my life, and um, that's really where uh, I, I began to know more of who Jesus was and how he was calling me to live, and, and just began to really value um, what it meant to live as a Christ follower. Um, and so from that, from that point on, it's been, my story is one where it's been this kind of slow climb with uh, occasional trajectory downward, you know, where it's either um, moments of just um, apathy for me or even moments of sin or um, seasons where my life is not going as I thought it would and that I had planned for it to. Um, but man, the, the, really the last two years of my life, um, kind of aligning with the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, the Lord has just utterly changed my life. And, and I would say it even really goes back, um, it goes back to the start of 2019 where I, I began to spend just consistent time in the Word every day. And our, as a staff, we started doing Bible reading plans and shades. Um, and, and though I grew up in a very... Uh, Christ-like home, and I was around church and things of God often. I, it was the first time as a 29-year-old, it was the first time that I had ever really had a consistent, quiet time, daily time with the Lord in, in, in the Bible. Um, and man, that, that just began to change my life. So um, that's kind of where things stand currently. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and listening to you share, I'm amazed at how many common themes we share my story and your story and I want to unpack my story but I just want to focus on yours but talk about I mean I'm glad I caught you at this particular time 2019 you talk about what's happened the last 18 months before 2019 you had an event happen in your life something you did not see coming Uh, tell us a little bit about that and now as you have the perspective of Hindsight, I started to say 2020. I don't know that there's something about that triggers something in me now. Uh, But you have a perspective of looking back how what happened in 2017 set the table for where you are now. Yeah. So in um, in the fall of 2016, actually, I got got sick, started feeling sick, and um, went on this six month journey of tests and treatments and specialists and doctors visits and all those things. Um, and in February of 2017, I was diagnosed with stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. Stage four. Stage four. Yeah. Whoa. So um, I remember being called into an ENT's office here at a local hospital in Birmingham, and him just kind of very matter-of-factly saying, "Look, you have cancer." Um, and I was 27 at. I was 26 at the time, going to turn 27. Um, and, and you know, to to put it succinctly, I never I never expected that in my mid 20s I would be faced with something like cancer. I, I didn't. There was no family history of that in, in my family, and I I had never really faced um, or known closely people that had battled cancer. Um, so it was it was a new thing for me, and I think my immediate family, and even probably my community here. Um, and so that February of 2017 started a, a six-month-long journey of uh, chemo, really, really aggressive chemotherapy treatment, and um, all the look, all of the things that come with having cancer. Wow. Yeah. So and it's in remission. It's in remission. Yeah. So I had um, I had my annual doctor's visit back in August, um, and uh, four years in remission now. Wow. Which is a gift. Wow. So, so stage four to going into remission. 
Um, when you received that initial news, describe your feelings. How long did it? How long were you caught up in a spin or a daze or, or however you would describe it? When did you feel like you your feet kind of hit ground again and you're like, I know what I've got to do? Or you know, Robert, I it had been such a journey um, to that point in February of 2017. Um, that I, I remember riding with my parents to that doctor's appointment. And I don't, I don't remember if I said this verbally to them, but I remember thinking it, like I wouldn't be surprised if they told me I had cancer today. It had been six months of tests and, and like everything was coming back negative. I mean, and so by that point, there was a part of me that was like, what else could it be? You know, what else could be making me feel this way? Um, and so, in <laughs> In a very weird way, what I remember feeling when the doctor delivered that news is relief. Uh, just relief that I had an answer. Yeah. That like somebody was able to definitively tell me what was wrong with me and why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And that could start me down the road of a plan to hopefully fix it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I say this often to folks, and it may not be the best thing to say, I don't know, but whenever somebody's anticipating a doctor's test or... I say, the devil you know is a lot easier to fight than the devil you don't know. Mm -hmm. Just the uncertainty mm -hmm. of what might be. Mm -hmm. I say, that may not be the best way to phrase that. I don't know. Uh, how has God used cancer in your life <laughs> to teach you? How has it changed you? Um, goodness, I... He, he certainly, uh, I think probably the first and foremost thing that he's taught me is um, I have to approach my life with much more open hands than I had previously. Um, and and there, were, there were a few circumstances prior to even being diagnosed with cancer in my early 20s that um, were unexpected. And so, I, you know, I think, I think I had some level of understanding that like your life was not guaranteed to go a certain way. Um, cancer, I think, was just kind of the, it was the thing that topped off that understanding of like, man, there, the past, you know, the past six months, but even, even the past, to that point, five years, four or five years, like, had just shown me that um, the Lord can walk you through things that you would have never guessed. And, and, and those things can shape your understanding of life, but also what you want out of life. And mm -hmm. they can shift, they have a way of shifting your priorities. Um, and so I think for me, like when I, you know, here I am 30 years old, almost 31. And um, what I look back and see is like, I have um, on the whole, <laughs> there are still pockets in my life where this is not true, but on the whole, I have an understanding of like, I don't know what today holds. I don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. You know, it, it, it really is kind of a moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day following in Jesus for me. Um, and I, I want to wake up and I want to tackle what he has for me today in the most faithful way that I can. And then I want to lay my head on the pillow tonight and I want to hopefully wake up if he puts breath in my lungs tomorrow and do the same thing. Yeah. Is it a challenge for you to keep that discipline of staying in the moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I there are um, there are tons of ways that I still 
Um, ideally, would love to have my life pan out. You know, there are still experiences that I would love to have, and there are still hopes and dreams that I carry with me each day, and there are still um, all of those things that come along with being a young adult, um, particularly a single young adult. Um, and so I'm not I'm not immune to falling prey to leaning too heavily on those hopes and dreams and desires. And so, um, I mean, even currently, like I just find myself in a place where it's just about hourly. I tell myself, Lord, all right, this, this hour's yours. Yeah. This hour's yours. This next hour's yours, yeah. you know? And um, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is an area for me to continue to grow the discipline, but I, I, I find that I have to remind myself of it continually. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, it's and I like the way that you break it down into small steps short-term steps one hour you know, just because we're continually pulled toward a future that we can only dream about or imagine and really don't have a clue or a past that has aspects of our past that we're like oh I'd like a do-over on that uh, Occasionally, you'll hear somebody in an interview toward the end of their life say they have no regrets, and I'm like, "Well, really?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. true. <laughs> are you being honest? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I think there are all things that we would do. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it is. We know it's a day by day, uh, but staying in that it's just has this, this constant vigilance. Well, and then, you know, the reality is, is as Christ followers, like I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah. I, I hope and I pray to the Lord that He has many more fruitful years on this earth for me. But like I don't, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, being in that moment to moment, I think it keeps you very much alive. Uh, if you had a word of encouragement to share share with somebody today who has just received the type news you received five years ago. What would you tell them? Um, that's a great question. I remember um, I remember reading or watching this interview um, not long after I was diagnosed by a guy named Stuart Scott. Um, and Stuart was a he was a sports center anchor on ESPN. Um, throughout my childhood. I mean, he, he, he kind of became really famous in the 90s and early 2000s uh, as a television personality. And um, he battled cancer um, throughout my like later, latter high school and um, college years. And so I remember watching an interview with him not long after I was diagnosed. And he said, um, he said this line that stuck out to me. He said, fight, fight as often and as hard as you can. Uh, but when you're tired, lay down and let others fight for you. Wow. Uh, and that really resonated with me. Um, it's like you don't, you don't have to try to be a hero. Uh, you don't have to uh, try to carry it on your own. Um, do the best you can with the moments that you feel great. And then if, if you're getting beat, lay down and rest and let the community that God has placed around you carry it for you. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We were talking earlier before we started recording about story and uh, our own individual stories, but also the, the wonderful story, redemptive story in the Bible. 
love scripture, love the Bible, and in, and in what you've gone through these last five years, if if you were well, jumped ahead. What are what are the stories in scripture that speak into your story thus far? And then how does your story speak back in conversation to those stories in scripture? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I. Uh, probably, I think there are probably three stories, three or three people that I identify with most in Scripture. Uh, the first being Job, which we you referenced. You just did a did a uh, series of events on Job, um, and I I resonate with Job in the sense that. Um, his life had so much vitality and so much um, promise, and he had accomplished so much, and then in an instant, uh, all of that was gone. But his faith never wavered. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't resonate because that's true of me necessarily. I resonate because it's aspirational for me. It's what I it's what I hope uh, for my walk with Jesus that um, as I have faced the things that I have and whatever the Lord has for me in the future, um, that I, I would go to a place where my faith would be believers. Secondly is David. Um, I, I love David's story because if you really stop and think about it, the man, I mean, he is a massive sinner, <laughs> you know? And, and like we, we, we throw around this Christian trope often and like there, sin, sin doesn't exist on a scale, which biblically is true. Um, but like David was a guy, he was a nobody, a little shepherd boy out in the field. Uh, Samuel was out looking for a king, and Jesse tropes through his whole line of sons. Samuel's like, nope, not him, nope, not him, nope, not him. Well, do you have anybody else left? He's like, well, yeah, I have David, but surely it can't be him. Samuel's like, I'd like to see him. Jesse gets him, brings him out, and he's like, yeah, that's the king. Um, and, and that starts this whole story of like God giving favor to David, Saul, wanting to mentor him and then all of a sudden feeling jealous of him wanting to kill him so david's on the run before he ever even becomes king and then he becomes king and the lord absolutely blesses his reign um and then he sees that faithful woman on top of a roof you know and that that becomes his downfall yeah um and so there there are decisions i've made in my life that i i certainly regret and that i if i got to do over i would 100 percent do them differently um, and I know the person that I am. Um, and a, a lot of people have said very kind and gracious things to me throughout this season of my life where I've faced a bit of suffering at a younger age. Uh, but like I, I know the person that I am and I know the sin that's in my life um, and has been in my life in my past. And um, graciously the Lord has covered that and um, has redeemed it. Uh, but I, I really resonate with David because like we see very clearly in Scripture what he did and the sin he committed against God. Um, but we also see these beautiful passages like Psalm 52, or Psalm 51, excuse me, um, where he just lays it out before the Lord, you know, and against you and you alone are our sin. Um, but he knows where his hope lies. Um, and then the last is Paul. Uh, and I, I love Paul's story. Um, because the guy had a genuine encounter with God and absolutely fell in love with the person and work of Jesus, you know? Uh, like, he was met on that road in Damascus, and um, from that point forward, gave his life to the only thing he deemed worthy to give his life to. 
and I, I want that to be true of me. Like I, I, I hope and I believe that I've had an encounter with God, and, and I want to give my life to the only thing that I think is worthy to give it to, and that's um, that's His gospel, and that's the building of His kingdom. Yeah. Love that. Three great examples. <laughs> uh, and and and. We really know so little about all three of them. I mean, we know a lot, but at the same time, there's so many intricacies in their oh, story yeah. That, yeah. Uh, it, and, uh, that, that we're left to imagine. Yeah. You know, their day-to-day, how were they? Did they stay in the day, or yeah. did they worry yeah. about the past yeah. or the future? Uh, you're 30, about to be 31. Mm-hmm. If, if you were to write your story up to this point what would you use for a title for example I've said several times I have a couple of titles one of mine is I thought if I ever write my memoirs it's going to be called I didn't know that was me (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know (laughs) Um, Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because I actually am in the process of writing a book currently. Awesome. Um, and so uh, I don't know if this title will stick, but what I've currently kind of given it is When Life Doesn't Go Your Way. Um, and I, I just, I've always been a big dreamer, mm-hmm. Robert. Like I, I just, as a kid, was a guy, I, like I just, I dreamed the big dreams and um, wanted, wanted uh, my life to take me to big places. Yeah. Um, and uh, when I graduated from college, that kind of began this domino effect of like life just not going the way that I anticipated it to go. Um, and so that I think that really is is sort of an idea that resonates with me. Yeah, yeah. I like that, yeah. and I look forward to reading your book. Yeah. Uh, I want to encourage you and applaud you in that. Um, I identify you talk about people in story to me, Joseph. Old Testament Joseph, his story is dream big, and life went off the rails pretty quick. And 21 years later, he received the dream God had given him, but not the way he envisioned that dream would happen. And Joseph, I identify with Job, I identify with Jeremiah, I identify with, uh, and uh, ultimately want to be like Jesus. During all the, the last several years, did you ever question the goodness of God? Um, no, I, I don't think I did. Um, I think um, I didn't question his goodness. I questioned. I questioned how the circumstances I walked through were ultimately going to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, like I um, talked about this recently on another podcast. I had the privilege of being on. Um, that, like, I think we have a. Well, I don't want to speak about the church as a whole. I had a flawed view of suffering, um, and that, like, you know, we just kind of throw around this cliche often that. Um, God's going to use your suffering for His glory and your good, which is true. There's that's, that's not an inaccurate statement. Yeah. But I, I had this expectation that, like, when I walked out of the cancer center that last day of treatment, and when I was declared in remission officially, 
I had this expectation that I would walk out and have this light bulb moment of, oh yeah, I this is the takeaway for me. This is the grand lesson. You know, this is the revelation. Um, and I, I didn't have any of that. I felt I felt exactly like I did before I ever had cancer the day that I was being clear, you know. And that was a that was a hard thing for me. That that really it kinda sent me on a mental uh, tailspin a little bit. Um, but I can look back now, four years later, and, and I could, I mean, if we, we don't have enough time on this podcast to dig in, but I could tell you countless ways that I think I'm a different person now than I was in 2017 and 2018 when I was declared in remission. Um, even some circumstances I've walked through this year, like I, they haven't felt good mm-hmm. in the moment. And so I like, I question how God is going to use it. And I question the timetable in which he's going to use it because it doesn't feel good. And it's not fun to be in circumstances that don't feel good. Yeah. But I don't think that's ever caused me to question his goodness, yeah. if that makes sense. It does. It does. You came away from that I'm looking for closure, and what you got was to be continued. Oh, my gosh, like, yeah. <laughs> this is what I expect yeah. at the end of a season, yeah. television season. I don't expect this yeah. in life. Yeah. And, then, you know, like you referenced Joseph, I don't want to wait 21 years to figure out what God has. He, he may very well he may very well want me to wait 21 years, but like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it could be could be Caleb. He had to wait forty years, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, because of a group of folks that could not see God's vision. Yeah. It's it's uh, the adventure's fun. It's just I'm reminded. I think it's a Louis L'Amour quote that says, "Adventure is just a romantic name for trouble." <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I, yeah, I, heard did, that. I do too. Yeah, because <laughs> if there was not trouble in the story, there would be no adventure yeah. to it. Well, so. and there's no story if you don't have trouble. Yeah, yeah. What's been the most redemptive moment of your life? Um, if you could choose one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, can I give you? Can I give you one from uh, one of our, um, one of my brother's lives? <laughs> sure, go for it. Um, I, I think I probably I think I probably could choose one from my life if I had to, but. Um, I, my oldest brother Jonathan and his wife Marlene um, seven years ago uh, walked through um, uh, losing their first daughter. She was delivered stillborn at 35 weeks. Um, wow! And just having the having the opportunity to kind of walk pretty closely with them through that experience and to see how they grieved well, they grieved in a really holy way. Um, and then to see that they have two beautiful kids now with a third on the way, and knowing that like knowing that the two sons they have now know about their sister who's in heaven and they ask about her and they celebrate her birthday and they know where she was born um, and even just seeing the parents that they are today versus the parents that they might have been seven years ago um, that that to me is one of the clearest pictures, pictures of redemption that I've had in my life in this last season wow. and that's a God thing that you mentioned that because my uh, daughters and her and her husband's first child uh, same type of situation I have a granddaughter in heaven that I look forward to meeting her name is Rory Capri of course they have a precious two year old son now and then I have dear friends who same thing yeah. Lost a child through miscarriage, and we use that term "lost a child." The child is not lost. Yeah. We know where the child is. Uh, 
So I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, I'm glad you bought. You didn't borrow it. You were you were front row seat. Yeah, to that totally. Story. Totally was. Totally was. We're here in the Thanksgiving season, and we're we're going to wrap up here in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to give you the opportunity. Um, you were on staff at Shades Mountain Baptist Church, and to me, one of the most wonderful, the most wonderful Christmas worship experience that I have ever been a part of by being there and present is there at your church. Christmas at Shades every year. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about um, about that event and how folks who are listening, how wherever they are in the country, how they could experience Christmas at Shades? Because it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So we um, we have a very exciting December coming up at Shades. If you are in the state of Alabama or even in Birmingham locally, uh, there are lots of ways to participate. But for anybody listening, on December 5th, on Sunday night, December 5th at 5 p.m., we have a television special airing. Um, on the Fox uh, 6 television affiliate here in Birmingham and across central Alabama. Uh, and so for local folks, you'll be able to watch that one-hour uh, Christmas special with some fun music and some exciting special guests, active congress that we have, some friends of ours here in the Birmingham area. Um, and and uh, like it, we're going to present the gospel story clearly. Um, and then if you're outside of the state of Alabama, that, that show will be available on our Shades YouTube channel starting on December 6th. Okay. Uh, so anybody in the world can watch it on December 6th. Um, and then from there, we have, uh, we have a really, really fun interactive event called One Starry Night, December 8th through 11th. Where uh, it is a fully walk, like it's a full walkthrough thing where uh, you get to experience what the life of Jesus was like in ancient Israel and Egypt. Um, and then on December 12th, this event is unfortunately sold out, but we have Chris Tomlin's Christmas tour coming to Shades. Mm -hmm. And then we have Christmas Eve services on December 24th at 3 o'clock and 5 o'clock. So if you are in the area, we would love to have you on Christmas Eve. Um, December is going to be a super, super fun month at Shades. Wow. Well, I'm excited. I will uh, definitely be watching on the YouTube channel on the 6th. Uh, last year uh, with Drew and Ellie Holcomb, that one still is on still YouTube. Still available, yeah, called Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive. Outstanding. And I know this year will be equally yeah. outstanding. Act of Congress had the opportunity to see them there a few years back. And, and they're a local group, like you said, but they are incredible. Uh, so, uh, and I also would, I'd, I'd like to come up to the walkthrough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and experience that. I'll have to pick a night. Yeah. And come so, here, so, you can find all the information information at shades.org slash Christmas. Okay. Well, Jordan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad. I, th I want to say thank you for coming at such a busy time yeah. in your schedule. Yeah. Uh, but the Lord just laid you upon my heart to kind of see if I could get you to come for the Thanksgiving, the pre-Thanksgiving episode. Thank you. Uh, and... Uh, looking forward to what God's going to do through this what God's going to do in your life I can't wait to read your book yeah, thank you. and uh, you and I are going to visit here a few more minutes here at the table we're going to let everybody else go for those of you listening we wish you a happy Thanksgiving and we will be back next week Wednesday morning you'll hear the word party redemption your table is now available and the next four weeks we're going to be looking to Advent but not necessarily the normal themes of hope, love, joy, peace. Instead of those words, which we're all familiar with, I'm going to be presenting four different words, mean the same thing, but just maybe 
give you a refresh of this adventure of Advent coming up. So, again, Jordan, thank you, man. It's thank been you, a Robert. blessing. It's been a pleasure, man. Uh, we're we're going to talk some more. So, we'll see the rest of y'all later. Thanks for being with us. Bye.